Unthinkable is made possible by Make What Matters, my membership group for driven, if slightly frustrated, creative people. Every creative person is trying to make what matters. The motivation we feel, the boss or client that we like or dislike, the works that we admire, it all comes back to the endless pursuit of one idea. Not hyper growth or ranking number one or driving a lead or a sale, but make what matters. That's what drives us. So together with a couple dozen creative humans from brands big and small, freelancers, entrepreneurs, writers, podcasters, even a stand-up comedian, I launched Make What Matters to help us. In the group, we learn how to elevate our creative skills, earn more in resources and income, and execute our best creative work yet. My goal is to equip you with greater clarity, more confidence, and a stronger community as we give and get support and build our bodies of work. Don't wait to make the things that you know you can make. Visit makewhatmattersgroup.com to learn more and use the code UNTHINKABLE to unlock a discount. That's makewhatmattersgroup.com. In 2015, I remember meeting my friend Andy Cook for beers in Boston. I was probably 10 years into a marketing career at the time. And as so often happens when I meet my friend Andy, I started pouring out my heart and soul to him about all my frustrations in the business world. And specifically my frustrations, having worked as a marketer for years and years, watching so many people focus on the wrong things. See, I believe that creativity does have a place in the workforce. I believe that it's not a stunt. It's not a substitute for the real work. It is the real work. It's the daily practice that we put in to do something refreshing compared to the status quo. It's not a random act, a one-off spike, a thing we try to go viral or impress somebody. It's a constant act of service to the audience. I don't think great marketing is about grabbing attention. I think it's about holding it. It isn't about who arrives. It's, It's all about who stays. I believe in resonance over reach, but I feel like so many people around me, especially back then, had lost the script. They'd focused on cheats and hacks, short-term tips and tricks, like let's drive a bunch of leads into our database, forgetting the fact that none of these people who are subscribing to our content actually get anything all that good. We're just good at talking ourselves up. But we had a lead number to hit, so there we went again, stuffing an ebook behind a lead generation form, forcing people to fill out every bit of personal information from their name, their business, their budget, their title, their location, their contact information, the name of their firstborn child, their social security numbers, and what they would do if stranded on an island with nothing but a pitchfork, a tiny knife, and a book. There was a lot of forcing people to fill out forms to get our content. Put it that way. And at the end of my ranting and raving to Andy, I I just sort of like looked at him and said, what would you do if you were me? And he thoughtfully looked me over and said, Jay, you're somebody who's bothered by suck. And Unthinkable was born. I didn't know it. I didn't know it was called Unthinkable, but I knew it's time to make a show that strips away all the pretense and is just completely honest. I want to be honest with myself. I want to be honest with you. I want to focus on all these problems and tell stories and find insights and solutions to solve them. Two and a half years later, Unthinkable led to my first book, Break the Wheel. And ever since then, I've kind of just been drifting.
But I've found yet another thing I'm bothered by, yet another thing I'd categorize under that terrible suckiness that we sometimes feel in our work. It has nothing to do with marketing, although it's pretty present in the marketing industry, but it affects creative people the world over. And today, in this episode, I'd like to point to the mountain peak where we're heading. And then each episode after this one is like us taking a swing at the jungle between us and it, between the status quo, which is broken, and a better way for our work. It's uncertain, it's confusing, but it's going places. It's unthinkable, questioning the conventional thinking to make what matters most. I'm Jay Akunzo. One of my favorite quotes about creativity also frustrates me to no end. And it's that very frustration which is causing me to reinvest more of my time and, quite frankly, my money into making this show possible, consistent, and I hope, better. The quote comes from Ira Glass, creator and host of This American Life. And it goes like this. Nobody tells this to people who are beginners. I wish someone told me. I wish someone told me. 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 Nobody tells this to people who are beginners. I wish someone had told me. I wish someone told me. All of us who do creative work, we get into it because we have good taste. We have good taste. Because we have good taste. But there is this gap. But there's this gap. This gap. For the first couple of years you make stuff, it's just not that good. It's trying to be. It has potential. But your taste, your taste is still killer. And your taste is why your work disappoints you. A lot of people never get past this phase. They quit. Most people I know who do interesting creative work went through years of this. Our work doesn't have this special thing that we want it to have. We all go through this. And if you're just getting started or you are still in this phase, you got to know. You got to know. It's normal. It's normal. It's normal. And the most important thing you can do is do a lot of work. Put yourself on a deadline so that every week you will finish one project. It is only by going through a volume of work. A volume of work. Volume volume of work. work. That you will close that gap. And your work will be as good as your ambitions. It's going to take a while. 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 You've just got to fight your way through. Let's just consider certain parts of this quote a little bit more deeply. There's a gap between our taste and the work we're able to create. And that gap is why your work disappoints you. And it's why my work disappoints me too, honestly. We can imagine what we want to create, but we're unable to create what we picture, at least not as closely as we'd like. And this is normal to experience. And we all go through it, no matter if we're just starting our careers, we're starting a new project, or we're pursuing a new skill as we evolve. So to answer the question, does this quote resonate with me and why, 
All right, on to the questions. Does this quote resonate with you and why? Mm, Kind of, this quote kind of resonates with me, but not really. Yeah, this quote resonates with me because I both hate it and prescribe to it. (laughs) I hate it because it is me. I, I, I am somebody who wants that polished end result. I have the ambition. I see that someone has created something that brings me joy and brings me an element of happiness in the work that they produce that I want to then share that through my own work with other people and make other people feel that way. Yeah, you cannot expect to make great work out of the gate, and it does take a lot of time to develop your skills. I'm a big believer in developing fundamental skills and riffing off of those. Uh, So I think that you do need to put in the hard work of getting the basics down and then starting to experiment. I think that there... I think it's very difficult to go straight to the phase of making really great creative work if you do not have any foundation. There have been some people who've done it, but not many, and I know that that is definitely not the case with me. Uh, I've taken years to develop my writing skills, which is the background I came from, and getting into audio, I am still getting my foundation firmly under me. and have high aspirations to do some more quirky creative stuff as I get better. Um, But I'm a big believer in getting a strong foundation. So yes, and it just takes time to think through all of this, these things um, and, you know, put in a lot of, get a lot of experience. This quote resonates with me because it perfectly describes where I'm at right now. That feeling of knowing what I want my work to be, what I want it to feel like, look like, etc. And also like the impact that I want it to have. Knowing what I have in mind for my work and then recognizing that it just hasn't quite reached that place yet is a feeling that I know all too well. So I love this quote because it speaks directly to that feeling. And so I prescribe to the nature of this quote for sure and hate it because I want to be there right now. Um, what doesn't resonate with me at all is that people who do creative work have good taste. I just don't think that's true. I, I also wonder what good taste means and... I think there's a lot of discussion to be had about that. So who's the arbiter of what is good taste and what is not good taste? Uh, I I just think that there's a lot of questionability there. And this is this assumption that if you work hard enough, you're going to make great work. And I just, I I don't know, maybe you will for someone. Um, But I don't necessarily think that's true. This is one of those quotes that you hear a fair bit in creative circles and Something about it has always resonated with me in some sense, but also in a kind of slightly detached way. I don't know how you can uh, have both resonance and detachment from it. And I think that sometimes that has been that uh, I have maybe some overconfidence sometimes in my own work that I think it's uh, better than it is. And 
I feel like that's one of these paradoxes that a lot of us as creators often have, where depending on who is giving us feedback uh, on our work or assessing our work, we either overestimate its value or we underestimate its value. You know, I first came across this quote a few years ago, and it's been my cheerleader, but also my nemesis ever since. Um, it's It's been cheerleading in that it really helps me not to feel alone like oh this is this is normal like you just just keep at it yes you do have good taste it's okay just keep working you will do this but it also just feels like a nemesis like well how much work how much work is enough to close that gap i'm still trying and i still feel like i'm failing um so that's, that's sort of how I feel about the quote. Does this quote resonate with me? Oh, yes, yes, it does. Uh, I think it is probably the most perfect approximation of the way I felt for the past, I don't know, 30 years. And it feels really nice to feel sort of seen in this way by this quote, even though it's a really frustrating feeling. These ideas and the entirety of the quote inspire me. And they inspire me because they remind me of what creativity actually is. It's just about putting in the work. Creativity is practice. It's repetition plus reinvention over time. You do a thing, then you make it better the next time. And you do this over the long arc of time. That's the truth about creative careers and projects. The job isn't to be creative. The job is to create. And that is some great news. I mean, that means that great creative work is within our grasp. It's not about some mystical muse or selective gift that only a few possess. I feel so inspired by this truth about creativity. Don't you? I am definitely a big, like, visual dreamer of a person, and I feel like I can envision so many creative outputs for myself, and then when I make the thing and it's not quite what I envisioned, sometimes that's difficult for me. And sometimes it ends up being wonderfully different and it's just a whole new thing. And it's like, wow, how cool that it went this way. But sometimes if it's almost, it's just close enough to the thing I envisioned and it's not that, that is a really tough feeling for me sometimes. Um, but it's really nice to read this quote and think, oh yeah, that's just because I'm not quite able to tap in to my taste yet in some of my work. If I were drawing my inspiration from people who I knew hadn't gone on this journey of just putting in the reps, that would be disheartening. But I often know and am aware of enough of a background of the people that I draw inspiration from to know this is the exact path that they went on. They didn't just wake up one day and create magic. It didn't happen that way. They went through the reps. They went through the process and are still going through the reps and going through the process, which makes it all the more inspirational that you see people, even at the height of their game or the height of their career, still focused on the practice, the reps, the putting in the effort and putting in the work, creating 
as much as they can to find what sticks and what doesn't, what improves them and what stagnates them. That's incredibly inspiring. And so even in the moments where I get frustrated that the work that I'm producing isn't what my ultimate vision was when I first began the project, it's okay. I'm okay with that knowing that every single time I do produce something and do put something out there for others to consume, it's getting me that much closer to realizing the vision that I originally had when I set out on the project in the first place. In 2017 at South by Southwest, Ira Glass summarized this truth a bit more succinctly than his now famous quote when he said, don't wait, just, just make the thing, make a version, and then make it better, and then make it better. That's it. That's what this work is. You and I aspire to make what matters, because we have taste. But our skills can't match that taste just yet, so there's a gap. We feel disappointed as a result. And that's normal. And the only solution is to do a lot of work. Make the thing, then make it better, and then make it better. That's the only way we can get through the gap. Again, I'm inspired by that. We have agency in this. But I'm also frustrated because now I can't stop wondering, how do we actually close the gap? I mean, yes, I understand we have to do a lot of work, but, but surely it's more nuanced. Surely there's ways to do this stuff faster or better or with greater focus or when we're tired or lost or stressed or pressure to change course or we lack resources or you name it. It can't honestly be as simple as making stuff over and over and over and over. What about bad habits? What about people who seem to leap across the gap effortlessly on their very first tries? From exceptions and outliers to cultural norms and conventions, frameworks and techniques to stories and science, there must be so much more that goes on inside the gap that we can learn about in order to close it. Right? I mean, what the heck actually happens when a successful creative person closes that gap? And more importantly for our purposes, how can we do it too? Um, I am a professional writer. I have elected to spend my professional life writing. I love it. I write for businesses. It does come pretty naturally to me. What does not come as naturally to me, which frustrates me to no end, is writing fiction, which is the thing that I love the most. It's what I studied in college. It's what I spend all my free time doing. Um, I can close read and unpack and analyze and understand why a piece of writing is good, a piece of fiction is good, and what makes it good. And then the fact that I can't then just readily translate that into good writing of my own is immensely frustrating. Yeah, right now it's just really experience and also not maybe not having quite enough time to learn as quickly as I want to. When I felt that most viscerally, that gap uh, has been when I used to produce music um, as a sound engineer and record producer, there was just something that I didn't quite understand and still don't understand. I haven't done enough work in that field for a while that the, the music I produced, you know, my friends and family uh, would make comments like, oh, it sounds professional. It sounds like it's just like it should be on the radio. And to my ears, I was always just like, no, it doesn't sound anywhere near that. There is just some intangible missing piece that I can't put my finger on. I believe that perfectionism keeps me from closing the gap. 
as quickly as I as I possibly could. I know that perfectionism has definitely slowed me down in the past and it still, you know, flares up on me sometimes, even today. Um, it, I guess it's like a mixture of that fear of failure, but then also the feeling of wanting to just nail it the first time, like get it right out the gate. And so I think sometimes it's those things that, that do slow me down. It often is due to, you know, I all of a sudden get that insight that, oh, in order to close this gap, I'm going to have to go in completely the opposite direction of the direction I've been going. And so it sort of feels like, oh, I'm going to scrap all this work that I've done. Um, it feels like a lot of wasted effort. But of course, it, it's not really. And I have to remind myself of that, that 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 was part of my process. That was part of figuring out what works by figuring out what doesn't. To make what matters, we can close the gap between what our taste, our intuition, and our ambitions are urging us to create and what our skills are capable of actually producing. The way to close the gap is to create a volume of work and thus the most important project and indeed the only real project is our body of work. Make a version, make it better, make it again. Anyone can do that. Anyone can create their body of work. But what is a body of work really? I mean, what leads to the volume that Ira Glass urges us to create? It's repetition, reps putting in the reps, the atomic unit of a big, thriving, ever-improving, gap-closing body of work is one single stinking rep. That should be our singular focus at all times, getting to the next rep. So I've entered quite a few um, short story contests and poetry contests um, over the past couple of years, and I've never won. And so um, how it comes about is, is that like the gap is like big and huge and like in my face, like it comes out when I don't win. And so but I go and I look at the works of the people who did win. Right. So I always go and read the winning entries. And every time I read them. I am like, yeah, I can see why they won. Like, <laughs> like every time I'm like, yeah, I can definitely, I get it. I get it. I can definitely see this is, this is like awesome writing. So then when I go back and read my work, I'm like, okay, yeah, I still got, I still got some work to do. I've got a lot of work to do actually to keep improving. So I think what that kind of does for me is it actually motivates me. Like it makes me feel like, you know what, if I'm reading their writing and I'm like, man, this is awesome, this is amazing, then I'm like, yeah, it kind of just motivates me to just get back to work, keep writing, keep going, because I know that the more I write, the better it'll get, and maybe I will win a contest one day, but even if I don't, at least my writing will have improved, hopefully, <laughs> in the meantime. In college, I was in the marching band at Kansas State. I was a trombone player, and at Kansas State, there is almost like a second fight song. So you have the school's fight song, which is Wildcat Victory. But then you have almost a second fight song, which is called the Wabash Cannonball. And it is a wildly 
popular song that the marching band plays at all the football games. It gets people jazzed up, and it is one of the hardest songs you will ever play on an instrument. It is so fast. And as a trombone player, you've got a slide that you're moving back and forth at breakneck speed, just trying to keep up with all these notes. And when I got to Kansas State that first week of tryouts, this is one of the songs that you have to play. And up until that point, all through high school, I was stagnant. I had not ever really gotten better than what I needed to be to play the trombone in my high school band. And jumping up to the level of the Wabash Cannonball at Kansas State, there has to be reps put in and time put into those reps to get better and understanding how you're getting better. Because if you don't, you're not on the field. You're not in the active marching band come game day. And so you have to practice the song over and over and over and over and over again, starting with a slow tempo, working your way up, gradually getting faster to the point where you eventually, it becomes second nature and you've closed that gap. recently got a new microphone and a few different times I tried recording both voice things like just speaking for podcast work and music and something about the program I was using or the interface I was using I just couldn't get the recording to sound very good it was sounding quiet and a little bit muddled in places and I was so frustrated because I just didn't know what I was doing wrong so for me I think it yeah it is often often gaps in knowledge that even though they're a pretty easy remedy, often it just requires me asking someone I probably already know in my community, but it can feel like this huge mountain for me in the moment. And I'm working on trying to not feel quite so um, daunted by those mountains because usually they're not as steep or high or difficult to climb as I think they are. One thing seems really, really small, but it has been wildly impactful for me. I took a creative writing class in college, and um, the professor pointed out that when you're writing dialogue, and when you're reading good dialogue, you don't say, you don't see verbs often, other than he said, she said, this person said, I said, um, and it, it, and as a reader, you kind of you're trained to just ignore that, the, that verb. Um, and you just read as if you're reading or as if you're almost hearing a conversation. Whereas, you know, when you're starting out writing, you're, you're thinking I should write, he exclaimed and, um, she cried and all of these really much more colorful, powerful verbs that you think are kind of like higher currency, but they're just distracting. So I was doing that and I had no idea that, that I didn't even notice that that was the problem that I had. Um, and so that was really helpful to be able to try to close that gap a little bit. One of the things that I have kind of 
wondered about as I've pursued different creative fields over the years from music production and, and songwriting and, and recording to then photography and writing and podcasting and a number of different areas, uh, calligraphy, uh, all over the place. I've wondered if a lot of times we are unable to actually view our own work objectively. And I, I think that's true. But uh, one of the ways that this has, has shown up for me and that I've wondered about is with my photography. And the thing that was, though, that I still felt this gap at the time, I still looked at other people's photos and I was just like, oh, man, I just don't know how they create that. And, uh, you know, I focused on maybe it's the gear, uh, maybe it's the editing, something that I don't know. And I took, you know, tons of courses and shot just a ton of photos. Um, and I, I was really proud of the work I was creating, but it still felt like it was missing something. But going back and looking at my photos from even five years ago now, I look at them and I'm like, wow, this is incredible work. I, I almost from hindsight now, uh, I don't feel that gap anymore. It feels like there was something that I couldn't see at the time, like I was too overly critical of the work and too um, too much thinking that, I think there it was some imposter syndrome, thinking that other people had something special that I didn't have. Whereas now when I'm a bit more detached from it, I'm like, no, I think it's there. Like I prefer this to a lot of the other photography that I see around. And I would take my work over, over most other people's uh, any day of the week in a lot of cases. Historically, I have not loved the process of things. I like to be able to get it and learn it and do it. And so I am learning. It is a total process. Like the journey doesn't begin at the destination. It started when I got in the car. And so just like keeping that that thought in mind helps me to see that, yeah, I'm, I may not be, my work may not be where I want it to be yet, but the journey to get it there should be fun like I should enjoy this like this is some good stuff right here in the middle like I need to learn to love the process of it all and so that's what I'm trying to learn to do um, and and it is work <laughs> to, to change my mind to feel that way but I am really earnestly working on just loving the process loving the act of being creative even if there are no likes or follows or whatever that comes from it, just the act of being creative, learning to love that process. If we want to make what matters, and if we're disappointed by the gap between what we envision creating and what we can actually create, and if we embrace that the only way to close the gap is to produce a body of work, then the only thing that actually matters at any given time for you and me is the next rep. So that is what I want to explore with you, at least for a while. I'm drafting on the back of all the inspiration and the learning from our last episode called Experts versus Explorers. We're going to explore this. Every Friday morning in my newsletter, I'm going to interrogate and investigate some new idea or question and share anecdotes that I've found or experienced. So the newsletter is kind of where I'll start to make sense of new stuff from my perspective. And here on the show is where we'll bring in new voices as we investigate and explore this concept of the next rep. I do think I've embraced some of the messiness of the creative process and in that sometimes you make something and it is just not what you expected. And that can be very exciting to me. It's not always daunting or scary. I'm, I'm so curious to know what's going to come out on the end <laughs> and come out on the other side. And sometimes I, I can have a moment with myself of like, you know what, this might not be good. <laughs> it might not be 
what you think, but I have to see it through. I just have to see what it will be. It's really having people in my life who help me articulate or support who I am. Um, because I think my good taste, it's really intertwined with my authentic self. And my authentic self, or really anyone else's, um, you know, sometimes does that cowering in fear of what other people will think. Um, and so it, it can take some time and dedication to find out what, you know, being yourself uh, really means and the courage to show it to others. When it comes to fighting through the gap, I don't know that I really feel that. I, I don't know that fight feels like an aggressive word. Uh, I feel more curiosity about the gap than irritation or frustration. It feels like a puzzle to be solved rather than a hurdle to be leapt over, I suppose. Um, it feels like more of an, an exploration and an adventure kind of than um, a battle, I would say. So um, when it comes to doing that, though, I think I take a lot of inspiration from a lot of people who I kind of term my my guiding stars, the, the people who I look up to who are doing work in a similar way, not necessarily similar work, but approaching work in a similar way that I want to do it. And so looking at how they go about structuring their work and what their practices are. And one of the other things that really helps me is really just taking the long view of it. I'm not expecting that the gap's going to be closed anytime soon. I think with most of my creative work, I'm taking the the view of, you know, this is my, my life's work and uh, I'm not going to rush it and it can't be rushed. In a, in a much broader sense, I have a real interest in kind of pushing the weirdness of audio. And I know it's gonna take a while to get there. And I suppose that's a gap, just getting more creative and weird with my storytelling and, my, and the way that I can handle audio, the, kind of from the technical end. That's just gonna take time. And that's why this pursuit is so exciting because we are just starting to scratch the surface of this industry, and I'm thrilled to see where it goes and where I get to go with it. There's this great feeling where a sentence or an image or even a scene kind of fully formed just pops into my head when I'm doing something else. And I'm, it's usually I'm you know going for a walk or I'm about to go to sleep or I'm in a conversation, I'm not really paying attention to whoever I'm talking to. And I, I just think of um, exactly what I would wanna write and I write it down on my phone and I have this kind of running list of things like that. And then that actually does help me when I do sit down and, and put in the reps, come and start from a better place. But it makes it really hard to then, when I don't have any of those kind of moments of, of brilliance, <laughs> it makes it really hard to sit down and start from scratch when, and, then, and then produce something that I, I really don't like. So I think that, that I'm constantly, I've had that feeling before, and I'm, I'm seeking it out again. But I think that's kind of ridiculous because I'm a professional writer. So I know that these flashes of inspiration are, are great, but they are not the way that most good writing gets done. Most good writing, probably 90% of it, gets done by just showing up and writing, um, whether or not you feel inspired to write. If the only thing that I am focused on is just the reps and just 
rolling something out there without there ever being a critical eye towards the content that is created or what I have produced, if there's never any reflection there, then the gap never closes. Then you're stuck in mediocrity. Or if it's not mediocrity, you're stuck in producing the same thing over and over and over again. There's got to be this reflection, this self-awareness that happens to let you know that it is more than just, hey, I produced another thing today. When you're creative and you don't have an outlet for it, that creativity does not just go up in you and just die silently. Like it's going to come out, but it can either come out in a good way, like in a creative outlet type way, or it can come out in like anger and, and grief and, and all these other ways that that could hurt, that could hurt you, you know? And so I think that for me, I have to fight through this. I think any creative person does that when you have something in your mind, in your heart, in your soul that you need to get out, you have to get it out. Like you have to find some medium to release it. It could be through writing, through art, through music, through dance, through, you know, comedy, whatever it is, whatever is your thing, you have to find a way to get it out. The big gap between our skills and our taste is just made up of tons of really tiny gaps between this and the next rep. To understand how to reach that next rep consistently faster and better is to understand how to close the gap entirely. I have no idea where this journey takes us. I only know that it feels important and I'm burning to answer some questions about it all. I see a mountain peak in the distance and I think we all wanna get there together, but I have no idea how to reach it. So let's go. Thanks for listening and a huge special thank you to all the people who contributed to this episode, all the voices you heard reading the quote from Ira Glass and contributing their thoughts on their own personal experiences of The Gap. They are some of the wonderful creative humans from my membership group, Make What Matters. We're trying to do more episodes and projects in collaboration together. Those people included Molly Donovan, Jeannie Ivey, Tally Gabriel, Talise Adams, Cherie Turner, Jeremy Enns, and Michael Ashford. As always, this episode was written, hosted, produced, and labored over for entirely too long by me, Jay Akunzo. I'm hard at work at new episodes of the show, and I can't wait to make this show consistently again. But to do that, as I said before, I have to find a way to fund this series. That's what the membership group is for. You can subscribe for just $13 a month and be a supporter and get a few extra goodies behind that paywall. Or you can become a fully fledged member of the group and get exclusive things like micro courses and rants that I share nowhere else, as well as community experiments and our monthly live sessions. Plus, all new members who sign up right now get a one-on-one with me right away. You can go to makewhatmattersgroup.com and use the code UNTHINKABLE for a discount. You can explore other projects from me, like my books, newsletter, and courses for podcasters at jayakunzo.com. All of these links are in your show notes. All right, that's it from me. Remember, the only thing that really exists in the world of a creative person is the next rep. Because over time, that'll add up to making what matters most to you. 
I'll talk to you in the next episode of the show. Bye-bye. Thank you.